I shouldn't bother getting up. <laughs> I should just, you just keep singing songs like that, and I'll be absolutely fine. I'm just gonna put that in my pocket because I can't get this clip on. <laughs> Good morning. Hope you're all really very well. Last week, Andy took us through some of Hebrews chapter five. As part of that, he introduced the connection of Jesus with Melchizedek, that priest king of the Old Testament. Now, it really is such a huge uh, topic with such rich depths of truth about who Jesus is. And I really just want to spend a bit of extra time today going into it in a little bit more detail and really drilling down into the wonders uh, that are in this connection that was just introduced last week. But as I started, however, I thought, well, these are wonders. But they take some real thinking through. And I just, to be honest, I just don't know if the Regent crowd is the right group. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's going to be hard work. Uh, some deep thinking, and it might just be a waste of time for a lot of people in the room. Do we really want to be looking at complex ideas uh, when really we, we can just have a look at some of the kind of surface level stuff and save ourselves the brain work? I thought about it long and hard, and I came to the conclusion that probably with most of you would probably rather just have some quite easy stuff, a bit of easy teaching, something easy to apply today, some low-hanging fruit we say. I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that you're lazy in your thinking, but if the shoe fits. I don't know why you keep laughing. <laughs> well, if you aren't offended, then you are far more gracious than I would be, or you've turned off already. Um, I, obviously, I obviously don't mean what I'm saying, uh, but it does make for some quite uncomfortable listening. Nobody likes to be told that they're too, too lazy or slow or they're not really going to make the effort, or, you know, they just, they can't be bothered. Nobody likes to be told something like that. So let's read today's passage, and, and you can see what's happening. We're starting uh, towards the end of Hebrews chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 11. The writer is referring back to the idea about Jesus and Melchizedek at the start of this passage. He says this, we have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Today's passage is, well, for me as I read it, something of a hard hitter. The writer of this letter is addressing a real issue that has arisen in this Hebrew church. He spent five and a half chapters teaching, speaking about the greatness of Jesus, uh, comparing him to angels, to Moses, to the high priesthood, laying out deep truths of God. And just as he introduces this character Melchizedek from the Old Testament, he just stops. Uh, and he stops because he needs to say to this group, I want to keep going with this, but I just don't think that you've got it in you to listen, to focus, to pay attention, to honor God's word with obedience. He's going, he's going to go back to all of this uh, in chapter 7. He's going to go back and talk about Melchizedek's, Melchizedek tune in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but this is something of a parenthesis to shock them back into focus. Oi, he says to them, listen up. There's a problem here. 
And the first verse is really painful to hear. You no longer try to understand the things we are teaching you. The problem wasn't an ailment of the ears. It wasn't an ailment of the brain or it wasn't an intellectual problem. It was an issue of the heart. They had given up trying to understand. Things that were explained to them, they just didn't want to really invest any time or effort in it. Now, I don't think that this means on the odd occasion, a few of them struggled to focus, maybe zoned out a little bit. That happens to all of us. I think I can see it happening just now. <laughs> this was a systemic issue of the church. They had chosen to give up trying to understand deep truths and growing in their faith. They were happy to stick on the light, easy to, easy to digest teachings on offer. The analogy of the writer that he uses here is one of a person who gets stuck feeding on milk. Now, being a fairly new parent has really shone a light to me on the idea that there are expected stages of development for a child. It's possible to get a bit too caught up on it, but there are kind of norms, there are averages, you know, sitting around six months, uh, walking maybe by a year, sleeping through the night by the time they're 15 years old. <laughs> Stuff like that. We expect progress. If I had walked in and been offered a cup of coffee over there and declined it politely and whipped out a bottle of milk to suck on, I think there'd been some funny looks. And if that had been my norm, I hope, I hope there'd been some funny looks. If that was the norm and that was what I was regularly doing and that was basically my diet, people would rightly think that there was something going wrong mentally upstairs. And they'd be expecting some kind of physical issue with me as well. There's an expectation to grow and to progress, to mature. The writer doesn't say that there's anything wrong with milk. Everyone starts on it. As Christians, we need to start on the truths about who God is, about the gospel, what it means for us, forgiveness of sins, maybe what temptations we might face, things like that. That's just normal. But if this is the thing that we're still thinking about in exactly the same way 30 years on after being a Christian, there's a problem. That's not to say that we shouldn't discuss the gospel and rejoice in it. What a topic it is. But the way that we should think about these things needs to develop and grow. But for these Christians and this Hebrew church, it hadn't. And they hadn't. The writer, in fact, tells them that by this point, they should be teachers of Bible truths, not just heroes. And they aren't. The general consensus is that the book, the letter to the Hebrews, was written around about AD 64 or 65. Now that's about 30 years after the death of Jesus. So this church had probably existed for maybe 20 to 30 years. A considerable amount of time for people to understand the faith, to consider it, to start to develop, to really discuss it in depth and to start teaching it. But they hadn't. They'd become lazy listeners and slothful students. There was always going to be new Christians young people, those new to the faith, and they would start with the milk, the easy things, and that's absolutely, that's fine, that's quite right, that's appropriate. This wasn't the problem. It's clear from scripture that not all people in the church should be those who stand up the front to teach the congregation. There's a range of reasons why some wouldn't. Most people are not gifted to teach, but others, people just aren't gifted to listen to them. But this, that was a joke, uh, but this does not, <laughs> I don't think it's a gift of listening. Um, but this does not excuse any person from being, from having the desire to get to know the Bible more. There's no excuse for us to 
not want to discuss Bible truths. All people in God's family should be interested in knowing the Bible more. All should be aiming to be able to discuss any topic that comes up. I don't believe that there are any subjects in the Bible that are not available for all believers. Some are harder, I admit that totally, but there are none that are not accessible for everybody. Otherwise, we would have a hierarchy of knowledge in the, in the scripture and, and some people, you know, knowledge would be available to them and not to other people. That's Gnosticism and it's heretical. A couple of weeks ago, Daryl and I were having a discussion about predestination, election, the availability of salvation to all. I can't say that we came up with any new ideas. I, I don't even think we added to our own understanding. And we certainly didn't manage to work it out. But even topics as complicated as election and predestination and things like this should be things that we as God's children want to understand better. All people should have a thirst to understand more, to be able to talk about the Bible freely in all of its ways, and in this to be teachers to others. It's a worry when we identify people who have essentially purposely chosen to stop progressing. I was mentoring a boy in school last year. He was 18 by the point he left, and had basically chosen not to grow up any further from when he was 15. He'll get there eventually, probably, but it did seem like a conscious decision on his part to just stop. It was hard work for everybody, particularly his parents. And this church had basically decided to, s- to give up challenging themselves. You get the impression that they hadn't always been like this. Verse 11, for example, says, you no longer try to understand. The implication is that once they did, then something happened, or just as a group, they just kind of gave up. It wasn't a lack of good teaching, was a lack of interest and it was obvious to Paul from what he's sorry um, it was obvious to the writer of this letting some rabbly idea there um, it's obvious to the writer of, uh, of this letter that what he saw of this church or what he heard about them that there was a problem he could see a problem I think if you met somebody who had grown up on a milk only diet you would notice in the way that they appeared they'd be smaller than they should weaker less able to fight off disease, less able to stand up strong. Their diet would be inappropriate for who they are and it would impact their life. And it is no different in a spiritual context. If someone who's been a Christian for 15 years is still only reading and thinking about the basics of the faith, then they aren't able to defend themselves against a changing moral world. They aren't able to defend against spiritual attack. They are weaker than they should be. And I'm not saying again that drinking milk isn't enjoyable or at times necessary. To remind ourselves about the core principles of our faith is great. But if a Christian is not going any deeper and there's no interest in going any deeper, then there's a problem. So I wonder, as you look back over the past year with your walk with God, have you developed? As you reflect on who you were five years ago and your interest in the Bible, do you know more? Do you have any more interest Do you try any more to wrestle with the truths of God, what we find in his word? This church had, and and we need to pray that this doesn't become us. We may not jump straight into reading Grudem's systematic theology as bedtime reading. Other commentaries are available. But, But maybe actually you should. Maybe that's where you should be. And if you'd like some advice on books to read, ways to study, things that you can uh, engage in to, to deepen your faith, things that are appropriate for you, then please do speak to, to one of the elders or, or speak to Joel. He likes studying. 
and he's done lots of it. Uh, and if you come, but if you come to a church on a Sunday and you listen well to the teaching, maybe even at the end tell the preacher that it was a really good message and you think that's adequate for the week, then you're wrong. And maybe you would have been at home in this church. I say this as a rebuke, if required, but an encouragement as well. We need to prioritize reading God's word. This book is amazing, and we need to prioritize reading it to understand it. It's not easy. There are so many distractions in life. The days start early. They're, they're full, and they're crazy, and they're a bit mental, but that's not an excuse. And if you're not engaging in, in God's word outside of this building, then you need to confront that, and you need to challenge that. A baby bird puts his head back, opens its mouth, and waits for a parent to feed it with food which it found, ate, digested, and then just regurgitated. No effort required. And if you think the job of learning the Bible is for the elders, for the teachers, for the people who might stand up here, then you're wrong. And this passage tells you that you're spiritually immature. That cannot be our walk with Jesus. That cannot be the, the way that we wrestle with God's word. God and Jesus, they deserve better from us. But it's not easy. Andy probably does most teaching. He definitely does most teaching here. Andy, do you find reading God's word easy? Do you find studying it easy? If Andy finds it difficult, and I suspect everybody else who tries finds it difficult, please don't be disheartened if when you pick up the Bible, you find it hard to read it. If you find it hard to really engage, and there's so many distractions, if you're finding it tough, you're not alone. But it's no excuse for us to disengage and to turn off and say, no, I'll leave it to other people. If this is the only bit of Bible teaching that you engage in, or the only bit of Bible learning that you engage in in a week, something's wrong. Every Christian should be having some kind of quiet time each day. And if you aren't, then please consider today when and how you are able to do this. Be realistic. Don't just say, you know, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend an hour reading and praying. I'm going to do that every single day. If in reality, you're not. And you know you're not. If you aren't having some kind of regular quiet time on a consistent basis, then this is something that we all need to be engaged in. Maybe aim for 10, 15 minutes each day. Use an app if you want, like YouVersion or Bible Project. Use a daily devotional book. Spend a little time in prayer with God, praising him, praying for your needs. Give yourself a few minutes just quietly in his presence, maybe with a song playing that helps you to focus. Spend some time thinking about what you've read and asking God to reveal something of him and his way and his will to you. It can be at night, it can be in the morning, it can be in a work break. It really doesn't matter. What time is going to be most suitable for you and what time can you be consistent in this? But you have to be intentional. If you think, ah, you know what, leave it with me, I'll get that sorted, leave that with me, then probably you won't. The devil is too smart to leave you alone to sort out your Christian life. And our flesh, our sinful desires, is too strong to shut up while we get ourselves organized for God. And so as you go to the Bible and read and study, do so with confidence. Be confident that God wants to speak to you because he does. Go prayerfully. Asking God to lead you and to guide you in his word. Go to it with dedication. Being determined that the devil 
will not knock you off this path. Go obediently, choosing to obey whatever God presents to you from his word. And if you think, well, I've tried and I just keep failing, firstly, return to it knowing that God is not looking to hold previous failed attempts over your head. If you feel guilty about your failed attempts of reading the Bible, your guilt is not something that God is interested in. Guilt is of the devil. What God wants is just a relationship with you. He just wants you to know him better. He just wants you to walk closely with him. And this book, this amazing word of God, is one of the main ways that you can get to know your God and your Savior. And that's all that God wants from you, just a relationship. But secondly, be practical. Start reading with somebody, if necessary. Have a bit of accountability. Ask them to challenge you. Get them every day to say, like, just to send you a message and say, have you read today's passage? Be intentional, be practical. This is too important. But please understand, I know how hard it is. I have failed at it so many times. I struggle with it every single week. It's great. Sometimes I feel like being put on the rotor to come and speak here is a bit of a cheat because then I have to come and read this book and I have to do a bit of studying and I have to listen to some podcasts and I have to do a bit of thinking about it. I'm cheating. It's hard on the other weeks. And on lots of the other weeks, I completely fail. And, and I neglect this. And I don't give it the priority that, that it should have. And this chastisement is aimed at me. And I know that the Christian life has seasons. Some days, it's easy to do. It's easy to pick up the Bible and read it and study in it. Uh, and other days, it's the hardest thing. There are more barriers than can be listed. But it's so vitally important to have resilient, habitual behaviors as a Christian. To be able to pick up the Bible and have a quiet time to praise God and to pray to him when your heart is not really in it at all is not hypocrisy. In my mind, it is the height of spiritual maturity. To be driven to do what you know is going to be good for you and what is right rather than how you feel on a day is strength beyond words. Sadly, this church was not behaving like that. They didn't have any passion. They didn't have any interest to go deeper and to know God more. And sadly, this usually has the effect of regressing a person. Verse 12 uh, on our passage, the writer says, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. It wasn't just that they hadn't learned more. They'd forgotten things that they previous knew, previously knew. When we give up on, on putting in effort, we don't stay static, we go backwards. We don't strive forwards, we will travel backwards. We never need to stop growing in our knowledge of faith, of our faith, of God's words, and growing in our relationship with Jesus. And it really is kind of ridiculous that it's so hard. This thing is God's word. The one who created the universe has written down his thoughts, his ideas, and his in intentions for us. We get to know him, the creator of all things, and and our Heavenly Father by reading His Word with intention. We find out about our future. We find out about our Savior. We find out about our struggles in this book. It's a marvel that God has given it to us. And yet, if you're anything like me, you sit it beside your bed, bed and you ignore it for weeks. If we could really grasp what God has given to us, maybe picking that up would be a lot easier than picking up the TV remote. But it's not just reading. It needs to be obedience too. There's a danger that we turn up on Sunday and we listen, but our listening is just becomes that thing that we do. And 20 minutes later, we have no idea what was said. We heard, 
but we didn't really hear anything. We listened, but with no actual intent to enact anything that God said to us. When Jesus tells the parable of the four soil types in in Luke chapter 8, he finishes with this verse, verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. There's a promise that anybody who listens well, and by well I mean with the aim to obey and for the word of God to have an effect in their heart and their lives, for those who have that level of grace, they will be given more grace, more to understand. For those who have no intention anyway, no grace to accept God's word, no grace to to follow his challenge, God will just remove from them what little they had. Consider carefully how you listen. So what went wrong with this church? It's hard to know really. But there's an interesting couple of phrases in the passage. In in verse 13, Mark, if you just put the first slide back up, uh, the first passage. Uh, Verse 13 and 14 say, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And there seems to be a connection with the teaching, uh, with the way people hear, and the way people take on spiritual food, with somebody's moral position. They were not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. They need to be trained to distinguish good from evil. The other main place where the idea of feeding on milk comes up is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul writes these words in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are, st- you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You are acting like mere humans. Like mere humans. Paul, in Corinthians, writes to this church there and says, I'm feeding you with milk. The basics. Not because I want to, but because I've got no choice. I can't feed you solid food because you're, you're acting like worldly people. In your church, you're arguing and you're quarreling and you're being immature. And if you act like children, I have no choice but to feed you like children. It's sad. The church's actions in that church, in Corinth, and their moral position lined up with how well they grew to know Jesus. Their actions stopped them from understanding God's word, stopped them from from understanding the deep things of their faith. And here in Hebrews 5, there's a very clear idea in those two, uh, two phrases that there is a link between being able to hear, being able to engage in God's words and the person's ability to s- distinguish good from evil and their, their lifestyle, the choices that they're making. And I think it's reasonable to assume that God is not going to speak to us through his words if we are living whatever sinful version of our life that we fancy. And if you're struggling to find the motivation to read God's words, or to have any interest interest in really delving into it, then I wonder if there's a reason based on your lifestyle. If you're a cheat at school, or a cheat at your taxes, or you're spending time going to places that you know you're not supposed to be going to, or saying things that you know you shouldn't be saying, or you're treating your wife, or your husband, or your parents, or your children in a way which is poor, or you're looking at things online, or you're watching films that are really inappropriate, 
and the list goes on, then don't be shocked if you can't get anything out of God's word. We cannot expect God to do all of the work and we just live whatever life we fancy. He's already done all of the work saving us. If we go on living just whatever we like, expecting it to not impact our relationship with God and how he speaks to us and how we learn of him, then we are being foolish. So please do take time today to challenge yourself, considering any aspect of your life where the Spirit of God might be speaking to you, something that you might need to fix, something you need to humbly repent from. If the forgiveness is from God, is from what you need, then seek it. If a relationship needs sorted with a friend or a family member, etc., then go and sort it. And then the writer moves on in chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 to continue with a further challenge about the progress of these believers as he desperately wants them to grow in their faith and become mature Christians. As an encouragement to move beyond certain teachings, it says, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to, to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. He mentions these things as the elementary or fundamental teachings of repentance, of faith, cleansing rites, laying on of hands, resurrection, judgment. And you might look at this list and think, well, that's a, that's a pretty good list. That's a very reasonable list of topics to think about, and that's great. Like we should spend time looking at those things and, and not arguing with that. But various commentators and people who know Hebrews better than I do have made this point. All of these things have their foundations in the Old Testament. They are all Jewish in their origin. The Jewish faith has huge overlaps with the Christian faith, obviously. But the Jewish faith had a massive emphasis on faith and repentance cleansing rituals the way they washed and, and made their sacrifices the laying on of hands in respect of the sacrifices that they were making a belief in resurrection and the belief of judgment and the implication here is actually that these believers in this christian hebrew church were being caught up in jewish ideas if not actually moving backwards to their previous belief in the absence of moving forwards into a deeper knowledge of their faith in Christ and knowledge of their God who has saved them from their sins, they are regressing back to what they previously believed. What felt like safe ground, but it was the wrong direction. The writer is saying to them, you need to move beyond these beliefs, these Jewish ideas, these Old Testament ideas. And that's not to say that we shouldn't study the Old Testament. That is not what I'm saying. But they were being caught up in the Jewish aspect of it. And this writer wants them to start thinking about Jesus, about understanding God through Jesus. They were stuck. They were stuck in the past. They were stuck in an old life. And I wonder if you and I are guilty of the same thing quite often. If you are a child of God today and you are trusting in Jesus as Lord, then you have been brought out of something poor and into something amazing. We are told that God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son the son he loves and sadly we are all too quick to go and play around in the darkness just like these believers 
retreating and retracting back to a previous life, one far worse than they had in Jesus. And so if you're anything like me again, you might be prone at times to go backwards, to pine after things of the world, to go after things that are poor, if not actually sinful. Rather than rejoicing and appreciating what God has given us in our new life in Jesus Christ, looking back at things out in the world, things from our previous life, things from before our salvation. We have the peace of God promised to us, yet we might try and find peace in possessions and planning for ourselves. We have the security in who we are in Jesus, and yet we might find, might attempt to find security, again, in popularity or financial position. We have righteousness in God, and yet we might determine to fill our minds with sinful things, feeding them with our actions. God's desire for you and for me today is that we will move forwards, away from spiritual immaturity and onto maturity. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It doesn't just happen by itself. But after what God has done for us already, sending his son Jesus Christ to the cross, taking our place and taking our sin and redeeming us and restoring us back to himself, it needs to be something that we want to do. It should be something that we are desperate to do. And, say to, and so today, God calls you to know him deeply through his word and to know him without barrier by leaving the things of the world in our past. And so I wonder if there's anything that he might speak to you about today that needs to be put firmly in your past so that you might be taken forwards to maturity. I know there's things for me. And so as I pause for 20 seconds or so, let's let God speak to us today. What does he want you to see? What does he want you to know? What does he want you to be challenged with? What promises do you need to make to him? What changes do you need to make in your life? How do things need to change this week for you? Let's take a moment to pause and reflect. So this final verse in our passage, with God's permitting, we will do so. Let's just apply that to all of these things. With his grace, with his power, because that's the only way anything's going to change in our life. Let's move forwards. Let's strive on to give up simple milk and grow into grown-up food spiritually. Let us train ourselves to distinguish good from evil and then follow the good. Let us move beyond elementary things from our past to what God has given us in our relationship with him. Let us move forwards to maturity in Jesus. Let me pray for us today, and then Rachel and the band are going to come up and lead us in some final worship. Father, thank you for giving us your word. It is remarkable, and we don't deserve it. Thank you for forgiving us when we have failed to take you seriously. And in particular, when you have spoken to us and we have blatantly ignored you, 
Help us to individually and as a church take your word seriously. And in listening and obeying it, to be grown into spiritual maturity. Guard us from the devil today who will seek to take your word away from our ears. And may we just rejoice in you, rejoice in your word and grow up in it. For your kingdom, in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.